0: ...seeding fears so that no man might pass by that way. I want to stop here for just a second. When I read this, I said, wait a minute, Lord. You said over in Mark and over in Luke that there was only one man. But here, Matthew records and says that there's two men. Now, I studied on this and I went back and I double-checked and triple-checked and quadruple-checked and did everything I could to make certain that I was looking at the same event, and I was. It's the exact same event. You say, well, preacher, why is it is it an error? No, well, we know better than that, don't we? It's not an error in the word of God. Usually it's a lack of our understanding. But what I did find out, and I prayed and asked God to help me and give me understanding on this as to why that it was like that, and it's just simply this. There's nothing, nothing deep and theological about it. Matthew wrote about two men. There were two men there, but Mark and Luke... They only wrote wrote about the one that came to Jesus. I believe that there was another man there, but he decided he would stay on his way and do his own thing. But the one that we're going to focus on tonight is the one that Mark and and Luke also tell us about as well as Matthew. So I don't want you to think that we're confusing anyone on this passage of Scripture. This is the same event uh, as Mark chapter number 5 and Luke chapter number uh, 8, I think it is. Look so what let's read on now. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 29, and behold, they cried out, saying, "What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, "If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go, and when they were come out they went into the herd of swine, and behold the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and perished in the waters. And when they kept them and then and they that kept them fled, and went their ways into the city, and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to say thank you tonight for the privilege and the honor, God, that you give us to stand in this pulpit here tonight. Lord, I thank you for every opportunity that you've ever given us to stand and preach and proclaim the precious word of God. What a responsibility, what a privilege, what an honor to stand and proclaim and preach the precious word of God. Now, Lord Jesus, I surely need you. I cannot do this in and of myself, and I realize that. God, these people didn't come to hear me tonight. Lord God, they came to get something from your precious word. Now, Lord Jesus, I ask you for your help. Get me out of the way. Lord, don't let these people see me here tonight. Lord God, I pray that they'd see you in me. Lord Jesus, that you might get all the glory. Lord, don't let him go away saying what a great preacher I've been. I'm not, Lord. I realize that. Lord God, thank you. And I pray that they'd see you in me. And I ask you tonight, Jesus, to bless this precious man of God. Lord, I love Brother Pope. Lord, I thank you for him. And I thank you for the ministry that you've given him here at this church, this great church, and for the great work that you're doing right here in the the mighty way that you're using him here, Lord. God, it humbles me just to be able to stand in this pulpit here tonight. And all of his compliments, Lord, I sure do thank you. He has surely encouraged this preacher's heart. And God, we give you all the praise and the glory tonight. Above all, it's one under the sound of our voice, and they do not know you as their Savior. We pray, oh God, that you deal with that precious heart here tonight. Lord, we hold them up before you and ask you to move and work in Holy Ghost conviction in this place here tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you now. Help us as we try to convey the message. I ask you to get me out of the way and speak through us tonight. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. We ask you to be in that precious name above every name, Lord Jesus Christ. And for your sake and your glory, amen. You may be seated. I want to notice tonight. I, I don't know. If, I don't title a whole lot, but occasionally we just kind of give you the thought and where my heart is at. I thought about this. I've actually got two, two titles for this. Not two messages, but two titles. Don't worry. I told you we was going to go home in a little bit. But um, anyhow, I thought about this. When God gets ready to do a work, when God gets ready to do a work, and then I thought about this from a maniac to a missionary. Hey, man. Here we find a man that everybody had given up on. We find a man that was cutting himself. He was crazy. I guess you could say he was insane. He was done lost his mind. Uh, I mean, just went plumb crazy. He must have come from Washington D.C. or something. I, he must have made a trip through there or something and got influenced. But anyhow, uh, he was he had done lost his mind and. He was off over there and when everybody looked across the hills and they could hear him through the night as he's screaming and hollering, didn't nobody care anything. So there goes that old crazy man again. Don't let your young'uns go down by there. Somebody will kill him. And, and that boy, that, the, that man over there, he's lost it. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. That people would done give up and said, I'm not a fooling with this man. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ knew all along exactly where he was at. Lord, note exactly where this man was at. You know, so often we think, and if we're not real careful, we'll begin to think that if God's gonna do a great work, he'll do it this way. If God's gonna do a great work, he's gonna do it like this. I don't wanna try to put God in a box, amen? God can do it any way he wants to. Now, I realize he'll do it according to the word of God, Amen? He'll not do anything, he'll not tell you to do anything that steps outside of the boundaries of the word of God. Amen, that's exactly right. But I want you to know something tonight, friend, when God gets ready to do a work, there's some things that happen right here and that most time will happen when God gets ready to do that work. Now, you folks on the front row you just get ready because I'm a spitter. But don't worry, it's anointed, amen. I'm just kidding. I'll try to keep it to a minimum. I won't drink too much water, amen. Brother, I may have to give you this to walk, wash off with it in a little bit, but that's all right, amen. My Uncle Irvin, one time, I remember before he died and went to the Lord, he uh, he come by, he preached one of his last messages and he come by and I mean he spit and it wasn't just this little spray, brother, it was one of them big old, I mean it's a big old spit ball come my way and I mean it hit me right here, he come by and he was still a preacher. He never slowed down. He said, don't you worry, Jamie. He said, he called me Jamie back home. He said, don't you worry, Jamie. He took his napkin. He wiped that off. He said, that's from heaven. He said, that's a little something from glory land. I said, hallelujah. Preach on, preacher. Go ahead. Let her rip. Amen. Amen. So y'all don't worry. It's, it's all right. It'll be okay. Amen. Go home and take a shower when you leave here. Amen. I don't have nothing. I promise you that. But anyhow, I want you to nose with me tonight. Here we find, I got three little points here that I want to give you and then we'll go home about when God does a great work, amen. Now if you know the backdrop of this and if you studied around this, you'll find out that uh, before this was to take place, uh, these disciples and the Lord Jesus came from the other side and Jesus had told them, get in the boat and go to the other side. But on the way over, they ended up running into a storm and by the way, Jesus knew the storm was there before it ever got there, amen. And of course, he was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping and resting. And they were on their way over to the other side and they begin to have all kinds of doubts and fears and tremblings. And listen to me, friend. I wanna say, first of all, when God does a work, listen to me, there are gonna be some perilous Beginnings, amen. There'll be some perilous beginnings. What do you mean, preacher? I'm just saying that when this started out, it started in a most unusual way, amen. It started in a most unusual way. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, let's just back up a little bit to verse number 24 in the same chapter. Notice what the Bible said here. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea Insomuch that the ship was now covered with the waves But he was asleep And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying Lord, save us, we perish And he saith unto them Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? (laughs) Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea And there was a great calm But the men marveled saying What manner of man is this? That even the wind... In the sea obey him. I want to say first of all tonight when God gets ready to do a work uh, uh, there'll be some perilous beginnings. Uh, it, God will do what he's going to do uh, and a lot of times I'm not going to say every single time uh, uh, but a lot of times God will do it in a most unusual way. You say why is it? I believe he does that to throw the devil off sometimes. Amen. Uh, and some of the devil's people. That's right. I believe he does that sometimes just to throw the rest of the crowd. and just to prove that he's still God and he can do just exactly what he wants to and he can do it the way he wants to do it. Amen, that's right. I'll tell you what, friend, a lot of times we wanna put God in a box and we say, well, God did it like this. Well, he'll do it like that. No, no, not necessarily, amen. These men here we find out to start out with where there was some doubting going on, amen, there was a bunch of men there that did not even believe that Jesus could get them to the other side. But wait a minute, God said, go to the other side and Jesus knew that this man was going to be there uh, waiting on them and he knew that he was going to start a great work amen and by the way the the work just started with this man that was the beginning I'm going to get to it in just a minute but friend I'm going to tell you what he did a great work in this particular area and he did this very thing through this man because when this man got saved he told him to go back home and tell all your friends and your family. uh, Tell them what great things that God has done for you and the Bible said that he did just that and then sometime later you know what happened? Jesus came right back through that area again and you know how the event went here. They asked him to leave or they made him leave Uh, they come down there because he had interrupted their little uh, working avenue I guess you could say. Uh, Them Jews was down there trying to sell uh, them swine they shouldn't have been messing with them to start with with, and he's trying to sell those swines to the Romans and everybody else and the rest of that Gentile crowd and when Jesus calls 2,000 of them to go down there and die, while well, they lost a lot of revenue over that and so what did they say? We don't need you around here any longer. We don't want you around here. Oh, but listen to me, friend, some time elapsed, and God began to do the work and it wasn't very long. I don't know exactly how long we might be able to see with some study but we find out that God began it work and when he began to do that and that man went out and began to tell others about what had happened to him, oh listen to me, if Jesus came back through that place and I believe that same crowd rather than running him off, they said wait a minute this is a man that can help us, this is the one that so and so told us about you remember the miracle, you remember the man that cut himself oh how he came back up from the tombs and he was a different man and they begin to flock to Jesus and they got to the multitudes, amen. And they begin to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and God did a great and wonderful work. But you know what? All of this started, every bit of this started with perilous beginnings, amen. Amen. I want you to notice with me. Look at verse number 24 real quickly. I want to say first of all about this, that this started in a most unusual way. It was a perilous beginning. I want you to notice verse 24, we see that it was met with opposition. Look at verse 24 again. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. You see, the devil, he knew that there was a man over there. Now, he don't know everything. But I want to tell you this, he knows some things. As a matter of fact, I believe he knows more than we do. I believe he, why is that preacher? Not that he can so much see the future, but I believe that he can see the hand of God moving and recognize it because he's been around a lot longer than we have. And then we have to kind of we have to experience things and study the word and get in this thing and try to find out where God's are going and, and learn how God is in the mind of God. Well, Satan's been around a lot longer than we have, and he's been able to watch God for all these umpteen years, and now he can sort of see the direction God's are going sometimes. And listen, I believe that he probably knew there was a man over here in Gadara uh, that Jesus was gonna go over and probably save uh, and there was a good possibility that he might get saved uh, and so what did he do? He, he came uh, and began to try to tear them down and sink that boat uh, out there in the sea. Uh, oh, but listen to me, don't forget one thing. Uh, Jesus was in the boat. Amen. Uh, I've got a, I've got a message God give me. I started to preach it tonight but the Lord wouldn't let me uh, on going to the other side. Amen. Uh, oh, but listen to me. Uh, this thing was met this great work uh, that God was gonna do uh, it was met with opposition Uh, don't you ever think for a minute child of God uh, when God births something down in your soul uh, when he gives you a work to do uh, when God gives you a vision about somebody uh, whether it's a lost soul uh, or whether it's a work or a Sunday school class uh, or whatever it might be uh, don't you think for a minute uh, uh, that when God births something uh, uh, down in your soul friend uh, don't you think That the devil is gonna just sit by And let you do it, amen You put her down, friend All those that live godly Shall what? Suffer persecution That's just part of the ticket, amen That's just part of it Preacher, you know what we want a lot of times I said we, I'm preaching to me If I got a finger going that way I got three more coming back at me, amen And you know what we want a lot of times We want smooth sailing, amen And if it ain't smooth sailing why God must not be in it I'll tell you what, friend, he was right in the middle of this storm. He knew exactly where it was at. He knew where the disciples were. He knew about that man on the other side. And he said, we're not stopping just because of this little storm. We're going to keep on moving on. Amen. I'll tell you what, when God gets ready to do a work, there'll be some opposition along the way. Amen. I see you great, a great building over here that God's blessed you with. I like your skylights. It's beautiful. <laughs> them great big bay windows, man, I love that. They're so clean, you can see right through them. <laughs> no, I see what God's doing as a great work. And I know every one of you sitting here, and especially this preacher, some of you deacons, and some of the leadership in this building, and those of you that have spent some time in prayer over this thing, you can identify with what I'm talking about tonight. And you can think back about to the times when somebody's come along and said, well, you can't do that. We want to do this. Well, you can't do that. You say, well, now, wait a minute. What do you do? You get back to praying, amen you get back on your knees and begin to say, now God, you told me this is what we're gonna do. Now you're gonna have to, climb. I'm not saying that we put God on uh, down under our foot or anything like that. I'm just saying we bring it to him and say, dear God, I need some help with this. This is where I know you want me to be. Now Lord, I need some help. I wanna say it's gonna be met with opposition, hey, amen. We find out not only was there opposition, but there was unbelief. Unbelief from the disciples. Look at verse 26 again. And he saith unto them, why are, ye so, why, are you, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Now, wait a minute. If I were to come to you, brother, I'll use you as an example. If I were to come to you and I'd say, brother, why have you gotten so little faith? You might be able to look at me and say, well, preacher, I'm, I'm fine. I've got plenty of faith. But when Jesus Christ comes to you and says, why are you of little faith? Guess what? You're of little faith. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's right. He said, if we just believe Him, right. if you'll ask anything in my name, and what? Believe. Just believe. A lot of times we'll come to the altar sometime along the way. We'll lay this thing down right there and say, dear God, I cannot handle this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how this is gonna turn out. And before we get up, we grab that thing up and go right back out the back door again when God said, leave it here and put it right here and I'll take care of it, amen. Amen. How do you know, preacher? Because I do it myself, amen. We find out there's unbelief. These old disciples, as they begin to look and they've seen the storms and the winds begin to blow and the boat started rocking, one looks at the other and says, you sure about this? And they wasn't alone. They had several other little ships, the Bible says. And so they begin to reel and the rock and go back and forth and they begin to get doubt. Well, maybe did Jesus really say go to the other side? I mean, did, did somebody hear him right? Did are we sure we heard that's what he said to do? I'll tell you what, friend, if we're not real careful, old Satan will come along. Uh, I'll tell you what, if we can, if we can never get past this first point right here, if we can never get past this first point right here of the perilous beginnings, uh, we can go a long way with God. Uh, but you know what? The devil comes along a lot of times. Uh, again, I'm gonna preach to myself now, amen. Go ahead, preacher, preach on. Listen to me. I want you to know something tonight. The devil comes along a lot of times. We get it set in our mind and we say, this is what God wants me to do. And the devil says, well, now you know you can't do that. And what do we do? We do just like these disciples did. And they say, Lord, carest thou not? Don't you even care if we perish? God I've stepped out of here I look like an idiot If this don't work I've said that before God I told so and so This is the way it's going to be Now if you, if you mess up It's going to be both of us And I don't mean that In an irreverent way I mean that's just how it is But we know that But that's my unbelief That's my doubt That's my fear God said I'll not give you The spirit of fear Amen There's unbelief Thirdly there's the saving of an outcast. Look with me. Now, hold your place right there in Matthew 8 because we're going to stay back and we're going to go back and forth. Now, I told you we're going to focus on the one that Jesus saved. I want you to look with me in Mark chapter number 5. Actually, Mark chapter number 8. Yeah, it is chapter 5, verse number 8. I want you to notice this with me. He says, "For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit." Now Jesus commanded this spirit to come out of this man. I'll drop down to verse number fifteen with me, if you will, Mark chapter number five. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I'm say, how do you know this man was saved? Well, number one, Jesus cast the spirit out of him. Amen. Jesus knocked the spirit out. And it didn't stop there. Now, I'm not saying everybody he ever cast the spirit out of got saved. I don't believe that, preacher. Amen. You remember those those lepers that came and Jesus healed them? Only one returned to give the glory. Yeah. Not every, you, you put her down, friend. Not everybody that, that, that got healed. Jesus did some things. Sometimes he healed people. You look at John chapter number nine. There was a man right there that walked his whole time and got sight, and it wasn't until the end of the chapter that he ever got saved. You study that out and see if I'm telling you the truth. But we find out right here there was a change. You know, it was a glad, happy day in my life when I quit going back as a 14 year old boy and saying, This is what I did to get saved. I battled with doubts, preacher. I've done that myself. I've been there. I know what it is to fear and quake and, and tremble and try to go back and remember. But I remember the glad day when God took me into scriptures and he said, it ain't about you. It ain't about what you did. He said, it's about the change that I made. And I remember that night as a 14-year-old boy when God got me, I mean, my heart was quivering. I was shaking inside of me. And I remember being there and I thought, oh God, I'm gonna die and go to hell. And I remember just as soon as my wheel broke, as soon as I got to that place where I couldn't go no further, I said, oh God, this is it. I don't wanna go no further. I don't wanna do it my way anymore. And he said, come to me. And I turned and came to him and thank God every bit of that rolled off of me. He made a new child out of me made a new creature out of me, amen, and he changed me from the inside out, amen. See, a lot of folks trying to get changed from the outside in. Clean up the outside. Wow, that's for everybody else to look at. But God looketh on the heart. Notice with me, there was a saving of the outcast. There was a change in his life. If you drop down to verse eighteen, Mark chapter eight, Mark chapter five, he said, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Saved people want to be with Jesus. I realize some folk get a little carnally minded. I get that. I understand it, but you ain't gonna stay there. You ain't gonna live there. Not and feel good about it. That's right, he'll chase those whom he loves. Oh, yes. We got whole crowds of people today that say, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus and my bottle. they will going down and do their thing. Amen. Still hanging on to the worldly things. Still listening to the same old worldly music. Still listening, looking at the same old worldly junk on the TV. Amen. Going to the same old worldly places. Amen. And don't never think nothing about it. Don't never think nothing about what it's doing to the testimony. Oh, listen to me, friend. If it don't bother you, what you need to do, is get saved, amen he'd get born again this man there was a saving of an outcast when God did a great work it started listen to me, I'm moving on it started in a most unusual way preacher, I don't know how you are I'm sure you are, but most all of us here we've all got testimonies of those of us have been saved Look back in our lives and I'm certain in my heart that nobody, nobody living on my street block and probably nobody even in my church ever looked at this little 14 or 13 year old boy and said he'll amount to anything. And I don't believe anybody ever looked at me. There may have been a few that maybe I don't know about but people on average did not look at me and say that boy's gonna preach the gospel one day. That boy's going. Now, there were some people that I think God shared some things with that He told them, but that's family and that kind of thing. But I'm saying people that knew my life and people that watched me and looked at me and preached, no doubt you're the same way. People looked at you 36 years ago. I saved about 36 years ago myself. And when people looked at us, nobody ever looked and probably most of the world at least would look at us and say, well, there's nothing to that. There's nothing to that little youngin'. There's nothing to that person, that boy or that girl, that man, that woman. There's nothing to them. They'll never amount to anything. But God said, I'm gonna do a work, amen. I'm gonna make a missionary out of a maniac, amen. I wanna say, when God gets ready to do a great work, It'll start with perilous beginnings. Secondly, notice this with me, if you will. We're gonna stay over in Mark chapter five for just a few minutes. I wanna say, secondly, the work, now this is what kills us. And preacher, you touched on this this morning a little bit. The work was carried out in an unlikely, with an unlikely vessel. I wanna say there was a peculiar performance. Amen, amen there was a peculiar performance. He was not like everything else. You see, when everybody else looked at this man, they saw nothing. They saw a crazy man. But when Jesus knew where this man was at, Jesus made his way across that sea, the Galilee Sea, and when he got over there, he knew what this man was gonna do. I don't believe he went over there and just saved him against his will. I don't believe like that, friend. I don't believe that's in the Bible. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Amen. God wants everybody to be saved. He's not, he don't have a few select few that's going to heaven and some that's been selected to go to hell and this is going to heaven. And No, God don't do that, friend. No, sir, no, ma'am. He don't do that. It's God's will that everybody go to heaven, but there's some that just will not come and God knows who they are. Now, Jesus knew what this man would do. He knew what that other man would do. He said there was two of them over there in Matthew he knew that other man would reject him. I tend to believe, now. I won't be dogmatic about this, but I tend to believe if the man had got saved, I believe God would have said something about it. Yeah, right. But he never said anything about it. The only thing he said, was there was two men over there. But then Mark and Luke only record one. My point is this, friend. There's perilous beginnings, but there's also a peculiar performance. The work was carried out with an unlikely vessel. How many times have we looked at folks and said, no way. I have to admit it, preacher. I've done it. I've looked at at preachers. I'm just going to be honest with you. I I don't now, but I'm just saying I have. I've looked at preachers and I've said, man, God's got his hands full with that one. But then I think about my own life, brother, and I wonder how many people walk by and said, boy, God's got his hands with that one, talking about me. I want you to notice with me in verse number 19, I believe it is. Mark chapter five, yeah, verse number 19. Let's take a look at this real quickly and then we're gonna move on. There's the third lie. I'm just kidding. Verse number 19, I'm being honest about it anyway. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Now this is after he came to Jesus and asked Jesus if he could stay with him. He noticed what he said right here. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. I want you to notice this in verse 20. Don't forget this. Put this in your mind right here. Verse 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. Don't forget that. This is important to the message. He be, this, is part, this is a beginning of the great work. And this little statement that he puts right here, published it in Decapolis. This is a major part of this message because with that, you know that there was some things to come. Notice what he did. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Now, I want you to notice something with me. There's two things right here Quickly. There's two things that we notice about verse number 19. Notice what he said. Look what Jesus told this man. He said, "Go." I'm going to say something tonight, friend. When God saved you and me, He said, "Go." What's the first part of gospel? Go, amen. He said, "Go." So what did he do? He gave him his marching orders. This man, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to slip up, and I've been like that myself, and I'm still that way. There's days, listen, I don't know how you are. I, there's days I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't, wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't even want to be around my family. I love my family. I give my last breath for them. But there's days I don't want to be around them. I just want to be with God. I just want to be with him. <clears throat> I just want to do what he wants. I just want to spend time and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I'm not going to reject tell my children to move on because daddy's spending time with God. I'm not going to do that. But what I'm saying is there's times when, when I just want to get alone with God and get everything away from me, just him and me. Now that's kind of where this man was at. He said, I want to be with you. But Jesus said, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to go. You're gonna have to go. You're gonna have to go and he gave him two things to do right here. Notice this first one. Notice what he said. Go home to thy friends and look and tell. Go and tell. Not show and tell. Go and tell. Amen. He said go and tell. I want you to go and I want you to tell. What did he say to do? He said tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. That's the first thing. You know what that is? That's telling God's capability. Tell them what God did for you. (laughs) I tell young converts this all the time. I'm gonna say this. If you've been saved for five years, you ought to be able to take somebody in the word of God and tell them why you believe what you believe. But I wanna say this because I don't wanna discourage you. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want you to get discouraged. But I want you to know this. If you can't do anything else, if you just not got there, like you said this minute this morning, I'm going to condescend. Got to, I did that to my family this afternoon They said, "What are you doing? I said, I'm condescending? shut up, leave me alone. But listen, if you can't do nothing else, tell them what He has done for you. Amen. Tell them what God took you out of. That's what the Apostle Paul did, wasn't it? Because he gave him a whole lot more. but I'm saying he never left that. He never left what it was that God had done for him oh listen to me friend I love to tell people I mean if y'all just sit and listen for a little while I love to take their minds back when I was a 14 year old boy and God put me under Holy Ghost conviction and saved my never dying soul there that night oh listen to me friend I love to be able to tell people what God has done for me and how great my God is and be able to tell them through the years that he stood by me that he's been faithful to me that he's took care of me amen the times when I didn't know where things are coming from I didn't know where the Bills was gonna get paid. I didn't know I was gonna feed my family. I didn't know what God was doing. I couldn't see God. I couldn't look around for him. But I couldn't see him, amen. But I know he's true, amen. I know he was faithful. He's tried and trusted, amen. Thank God I love to tell people about my God and what he can do, amen. And Jesus was telling this man, you go tell them what God's done for you. But then look at the next thing he told him. Look what else he said. He said, also go and tell not only what great things God, the Lord hath done for thee, but look at this next one. And hath had compassion on thee. Huh? He gives him his capability and he gives him his character. Huh? He said, and by the way, don't forget the compassion part. Can I say this tonight? Convictions never trump compassion I'm like you preacher we don't bend we don't bend and we don't, we don't give up our the Bible what the word of God says but I want to say this tonight friend we never forget to tell them of the love of Christ we never leave the gospel out when you're telling somebody that they ought to put some, some nice clothes on and, and cover up their skin and, and we're telling them the, the, the things that, that, that God wants us to do to, to look like God's people and, and go places where God, when we're, when we're trying to help people to understand those things, we never should leave out this thing of compassion and go and tell them what compassion he has had on you. So we gave him two things to tell him right there, didn't he? He said, I want you to tell him about my capability, what I can do and what I've done for you. And oh, by the way, don't leave out the compassion that I've had on you. In other words, don't you forget where you come from. Hmm? That's exactly right. So listen to me. The work, when God, listen to me, when God does a, a great work, I want you to know tonight, friend, this work, is a peculiar performance. And this work is carried out by an unlikely vessel. I'll be honest with you folks. I told you this morning, I don't know what I'm doing up here, preacher. I don't. I ain't never been to school. I mean, I've been to school, school, but never preaching school, nothing like that. They'd probably throw me out anyway. They said, that boy just can't get it. I like that over there where Paul's talking about in, in, in First Corinthians chapter 2. If that wasn't in there, I couldn't preach. Amen. You go study that sometime. Verses one through five. Amen. If it wasn't for that, I don't believe I'd even be able to preach. But listen to me. God's the one that put a call on my life. And I can't deny it. I can't lay down on it. I can't quit it. Amen. There's been a few times I wanted to. But I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a clue about what the next step's supposed to be. I don't. I, I'm not one of these. He says, Well, I got it all figured out. There's been some times when I thought I knew. And then, boy, God stepped in and interrupted my plans real quick. God sh- showed up and said, No, that's not it, son. You're going the wrong way. You're in the wrong path. I said, All right, Lord, get me back over here where I'm supposed to be. Just the moment that I think I got this I said, Ah, oh, okay, I know where God's going. And I start steering this thing. And God says, Nope, get back over here. Boy, you're doing it wrong again. I'm like Solomon. I don't know how to go in and I don't know how to come out. That's what Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, said, isn't it? It started in the most unusual way. Can I remind all of us tonight? The work was carried out with an unlikely vessel. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, God said he's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise, the wisdom of the world. God took the weak things the world looks at us preaching we might spit five rows back well the world looks at us look at them bunch of nuts I will not say this Calvary if, a, if the crowd done seen you come through them doors you done marked you done marked you might as well just go ahead and just let her rip amen I mean they done got you marked when I got saved, I didn't have to get rid of my friends. They got rid of me. Huh? I ain't saying I've done everything right all my life. There's been some times when I compromised, not as a preacher, but as a, as a young boy. I, there's times when I didn't walk according to the word of God and I had some worldly friends, but when I got my life straight, when God got my chain and said, boy, you need to straighten up. It's time to get this thing straight. And God turned me around and got me back on to where I was supposed to be. don't you know something, friend? I didn't have to call them up and say, boys, I can't do this tomorrow." No I just quit doing it. And they said, where's old Orange at? Orange done got right with God. Had to leave all that worldly junk behind. See, the work of God is a perilous beginnings. And it has a peculiar performance. Let me give you this last one right quick and we'll go home. This is my last one. I promise you that. I can say that. i will to say this tonight, friend. It produced results. I don't know about you, preacher. I know you hear this, and I'm not being critical. I'm really not. I'm just being truthful. I'm just being honest. I get tired of going places and people telling me, oh, God's doing a great work right here, and it's the same as it was last year when I went. Wait a minute. When God does a great work, He produces results. God didn't, do, didn't save this man so he could go back and tell everybody and then, and then this man just sit down and do nothing. This man became a missionary back to his hometown and he began to win people to God. He began to tell them what Jesus had done for him and the compassion that Jesus had shown him and they began to say, you know what, I want that too. You know why they did that? Because they remembered that old boy when he was down there in them old tombs. They remembered that old boy when he was down there cutting himself and they bound him with the fetters and he couldn't be held and he'd break those fetters and the the, the possession and the demons uh, uh, that would be a hold of him. Uh, And they remembered. And when that man come down the road that day uh, and they said, looked at him and said, wait a minute, is that the same guy? Wait, hold on just a minute. I don't know if I recognize him with his clothes on, amen, amen. listen to me, when he got back up there and knocked on the door, I don't know if he's married or not, maybe he had a family and his wife opens the door and says who are you? What are you doing here? you all dressed up. What are you doing here? And he says, honey, I've been gone for a long time, but I need to tell you about a man called Jesus. I need to tell you about one that made a difference in my life. He changed me. He had compassion on me. And I believe his wife said, you know what, if he he can do that for you, I believe he can do it for me. And old Joe down the street, he got worried about it and he come along and he said, if he can do it for you, I believe he can do it for me. And another came along and said, if he can do it for you, he can do it for anybody. He can do it for me. He can do it for, do it for my family. Where is this man anyhow? Amen. And he began to win him to God. Yeah. Now I want you to stay close with me. Here's where the message gets a little tricky, Lord. I surely need your help now. I want you to notice with me now. Get your Bible. I want to do some Bible calisthenics real quick. All right, now I want you to notice this with me. Verse number twenty in Mark chapter five. You there? He departed and began to publish where? In Decapolis, right? How great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. Now. would you turn over with me to Mark chapter seven? Mark chapter number seven. This is some time later. I don't know exactly how much time went by, but this is after the Syrophoenician woman was, came and said, heal my daughter, and she got saved. And you remember all that? And Jesus said, wouldn't even look at her, wouldn't even say nothing to her and all that. But look in verse number 31. Mark 7, 31. And again, now where's Jesus been? He's been with this woman right here in Tyre. Tyre was up on the coastal side of Israel, about halfway up, roughly. All right. Now, notice this with me in verse number 31. And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came under the sea of Galilee, look at this, through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. Wait a minute. You know what he did? Let me turn this way so you'll know what I'm talking about. Tyre's up here. The Mediterranean comes down here. Israel's here. Tyre's up here. Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is about right here. Jerusalem is just over here somewhere. He was up here in this area and he circled around and came back down below on the eastern side of of Galilee and back up and when he came through that little area to the east of Galilee, do you know where he came through? exact same place where this Gadarene man got saved you get that don't you forget that because he says right here in verse number 31 departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon he came to the sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis where did that man where was he, did he tell that man to go back and spread the gospel go to Decapolis now get this turn with me back over to Matthew in chapter number fifteen, now in Matthew fifteen, now I don't have time to go through all of this with you. You study this out sometime. You study this and see if this preacher's telling you right. But this is the exact same time right here. I'm getting ready to give you in verse number twenty nine in Matthew chapter number fifteen. Matthew fifteen, we see the same account where the Syrophoenician woman was was healed and her daughter. She was saved. And then we see in verse number 29, we've seen the same thing over in Mark chapter seven, right? He goes into Decapolis. Now look at verse number 29 in Matthew 15. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there and get this, and great multitudes came unto him. Wait a minute, that's a far cry from when he was back over earlier and they was telling him to leave. Huh? Am I telling you Right? That's a far cry from when they're saying, get out of here. We don't need you. We don't need your gospel. We've got everything like we want it. Now they're saying, come on in. Come on in. We want you here. We want to listen to what you got to say. Huh? Notice this with me. Great multitudes. Verse 30, came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, And many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. Look at this. Here's the whole purpose. And they glorified the God of Israel when God does a great work. There will be results. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and says, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days. What did he do? He goes on down in verse number 38, I believe it was. Yeah, verse 38. He says, and they that did eat were 4,000 beside women and children. So here he fills, he feeds the four. He's already fed the 5,000. Now he comes and he begins to feed them. There was over 4,000 people That's a far cry from one man. They started out over here in Mark chapter number four. And he said, Go to the other side. They got in the boat, went to the other side, and they were met with all the opposition. Jesus went over there. Those disciples looked around, and here come these two maniacs out. One of them kept on going, and one stopped. And here Jesus dealt with him and saved him right there. They get back on the boat and go back to the other side to the same people where they just left over there. And the disciples' heads are just spinning because they don't understand everything. But now some time has passed, and Jesus said, Let's go back to Decapolis and find out what's going on over there. I can imagine some of that crowd probably come along. And said they, it ain't recorded, but they probably said, "Do you remember what happened last time we was over there?" I mean, they run us off from that place. What do you mean go back over there? Jesus said, let's go. You know what happened? He planted a seed, amen. He put a seed in that place and that man began to win people to God and the next thing you know, it turned into over 4,000 people. I don't know exactly how many it was. It was 4,000 besides women and children, amen. That could have been 25,000 people there if I had families like mine, amen. That's exactly right. Don't you know something, Brent? When God does a work, There will be results, Amen. I don't know about you. I hope it's charged you up, but when God give me this message I'll tell you something. It charged me up. I love to see the the hand of God move. I love to see when God's doing something, and there's only one thing that I love more than watching it is being in it, Amen. Being right in smack dab in the middle of it. I wonder how many's here tonight, and you're watching it go on from the outside in, and you're looking in there, and you're not really understanding what God's doing, and your reason for coming to church is not the. Way worship. Oh, but it's for some other reason, amen. And you're not really engaged in everything. You may be here saved tonight in that shape. Oh, but listen to me, friend. I not you know something. God is doing a great work right here at Calvary Baptist Church. He's got you a good man of God, as you well know. And he's doing a great work here. Get in it and have fun with God, amen. I wonder tonight Let's all stay. Richard, can I give an invitation? every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. Sister, would you mind giving us something on the pen if you don't mind? Thank you. I wonder tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'll give you my heart tonight, church. I want to ask you a question here tonight. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that there's a work going on here in this church. I can look around and see that. I knew that this morning. I sensed the Holy Spirit of God as he was moving across the, the building this morning as God's people begin to come in and the Spirit of God began to fill up this place this morning. And it was just an electrical I don't know I don't really know how it's just God's all I know to say. Listen to me, friend. When God does a work It's not always gonna be like what we think it might be. He won't always use the people that we think he might use. But I want to say this tonight, friend. There'll always be results. There'll always be results. I wonder tonight if you'd be here and you'd say, Preacher, know what you're talking about. I can see there's some stuff going on there at that church. We got a thing up at our church, and people's got a habit of saying, What are they doing out there at Skyline? When I was assistant pastor there, I used to preach it like this Why don't you quit saying, What are they doing? and say, What are we doing? I wonder if you're here tonight. You say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to say, Before you can get involved in any work of God, The first thing you need to do is take care of the work of God. And the work of God is that you receive His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. That's the very first thing you need to do. For you see, friend, you can't do anything else until you get that settled. I wonder if you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not saved. Pray for me, preacher. I'm not coming to you. I wouldn't embarrass you for no man's money. Has God dealt with your heart tonight about salvation? Do you see yourself in this maniac at Gadara? Do you know God wants to use your life? Do you know that God is interested in your life? You say, how could that be, preacher? He's God. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's got a purpose for every one of you. If you're here lost tonight, he wants to save you. Would you slip your hand up tonight and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Pray for me. Will there be one? I'm not coming to you. Thank you. Will there be another? Would there be another. Thank you. Will there be another? Preacher, I'm not saved tonight. Pray for me. Will there be another? Thank you. Is there another tonight? Have you're here tonight. Now listen, there's nobody looking on. I'm the only one up here looking on right now I want to ask you something maybe you're saved you say preacher I know I'm saved I, no, I got that settled some time ago preacher I've not just I've not been involved in it I know something's going on around here but I want to be a part of it now I don't know what you can do you have to to your pastor about that there may be something that he needs you to do. There may be something on the bus ministry or Sunday school class. or I don't know. There may be something that needs to be done around here at the building. I don't know. You check with your pastor and I promise you he'll give you something to do. But I wonder tonight, would there be one here tonight say, preacher, I've just not been involved, but I want to be. Would you pray for me? Would there be one like that here tonight? God has energized your heart here tonight in this service and give you a desire to get involved in the things that are going on right here at Calvary would you be in that shape here tonight I just want to pray for you I'm not coming to you would there be another there be another I'm going to pray for you I believe the hell of ghost just told me to save this I believe we need to fill these altars tonight Folks, you know this is a battle with you building this building over here. No doubt it's gonna be a beautiful thing. You got a precious man of God right here. He labors and loves you and works with you and prays for you. And you need to pray for each other, and you know this. And I feel like God wants you to gather around this altar tonight and just lift up your pastor. And I feel like he wants you to lift up your church maybe there's something in your life that God wants to deal with you about on this altar tonight he'll get that thing taken care of maybe there's some bitterness that you ain't dealt with somebody wronged you well maybe you need to get off your high horse and quit worrying about your pride amen we all guilty of that somebody does something to us and what happens it hurts our pride I say four wins with our stinking pride. I wonder tonight if we could fill this altar. Would you come? Would you come? Come on. Altar's open. You love your church. You love your pastor. You love God. I feel like you do. Would you fill this altar up tonight? Preacher, don't you come and pray. If you would, preacher. Thank you, man of God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight.